So we're starting a brand new series today, uh, for those of you who are tired of the Grace series. And uh, actually, I hope to write this series and the Grace series into kind of a two-volume book someday. This one is called Employing God's Gifts. Chapter one is getting properly oriented, understanding and employing gifts and fruit to serve. Okay, that's a long title, but uh, we'll explain why all those words are in there. Getting properly oriented, that is about employing God's gifts so that we can understand and employ them along with the fruits of the Spirit to serve the Lord, to serve his kingdom, to serve his body. So I'm going to start by reading some theme verses and then uh, we will read one or two of these verses in, in, the, in each time. This will be a 12-chapter uh, series. I'm hoping to keep each chapter down to one Sunday. Uh, you, we can fit up to two Sundays on one CD. But if I do too much of that, I'll run into next year, and I'm hoping to have this done by December. So let's look at 1 Peter 4.10, which I've given us in two different translations. The first is the ESV, and it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, the NASB doesn't change anything in terms of meeting, but chooses some different words that bring out some nuances. As each one has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we don't want the gifts that God is uh, putting in the church to be unemployed. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel, excel in building up the church. So 1 Corinthians 14, of course, says, Pursue love. Uh, but desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Then the whole chapter is about the use of spiritual gifts, and he gives us uh, something that I, in terms of getting properly oriented, here it should be our orientation. Uh, if it, since we're, if we're eager for manifestations or charismas of the Spirit that we're going to look at in this series, strive to excel to build up the church. James 1, and we'll talk more about that verse as we go. James 1, 17, a verse we'll hit on today. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting, shifting saddle. Shadow, shifting shadow. It's almost like a tongue twister. That's easy for me to say. For by the grace given to me, Romans 12, 3, 6, uh, Romans 12, 3 through first half of 6, for the by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each, should have underlined each, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members. That's a, a theme that is often through the New Testament, one and many, one and many. The body is one, many members. And the members do not all have the same function, so we, through men, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7, and verse 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. 
Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now, the King James for 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have ye ignorant, brethren. And an old Southern preacher that I liked a lot named Charles Simpson used to always say, uh, you can play around with where you put the common, comma. So he would say, now concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have ye ignorant brethren. Uh, but, uh, but all of that was to highlight the fact that God doesn't want us to be ignorant in this subject. He, he wants us to study this. Finally, Matthew 23, 11, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. Uh, of course, Luke twenty-two thirty-six repeats the same with a little bit more detail. Now, in Roman numeral two are the 12 titles, but I'm not going to talk about those today for uh, sake of time conservation. You can read them. I am going to talk about the name of the series, and I'm going to talk about the, the title of chapter one. The first thing I want to say is I, I purposely chose the name Employing God's Gifts. Now, if I were going to write this into a book and I actually wanted it to sell, I would have to change the name to Employing Your Gifts. And that kind of represents uh, somewhat of a cultural problem that we're having in, in the Christian world today. There are a number of people who have pointed out, unfortunately, far too few that our Christianity has become very man-centered. It's, 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 it's uh, accommodated itself to the growing problem of narcissism in our culture, which is growing rapidly. So, uh, in the 70s, when Christopher Lash wrote his famous book, The Culture of Narcissism, it was estimated that somewhere between 4 and 10% of people uh, in our culture have clinical narcissistic problems and maybe up to 30% show some traits of narcissism, narcissism uh, which means being self-infatuated, self-centered, self-serving. Uh, it's all about me, like Daffy Duck in the uh, famous Warner Brother cartoon where he uh, says, it's mine, 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 mine. It's interesting as you raise kids how quickly they, they uh, master the concept of mine and how difficult it is to help them master the concept of sharing or yours. Um, today, of course, uh, many Christian psychologists are saying that 10 to 20% of the population meets the clinical definition of a narcissist, and up to 50 to 70% of people have some sort of narcissistic personality problems. And the, you know, some Christian uh, scholars and, and pastors are pointing out, we have to move back to a more God-centered Christianity. Now, um, some of those who, uh, who, who make those kind of insights uh, also give us, even, you know, unfortunately even less, give us practical ways we can do this. But one of the things is rethink everything is, is belonging to God first. Center your thinking in God. Gifts of, that we're going to talk about are from God, 
They're unto God, and they belong to God. And in fact, um, I once wanted to do a line-by-line series of, of through Ephesians, and I gave up after 15 or 20 weeks because we were only around seven verses through. But in the first verse, when Paul says, uh, apostle, the Apostle Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, if we could just understand what of Jesus Christ means, we don't belong to ourselves. We were bought for a pr- with a price. Do all to the glory of God. If God could help us, it, you know, to be sanctified means to gradually be set apart to God's centeredness. And we, we need help. We need, we need uh, God to help us. I want to emphasize in this series when I said getting properly oriented that these gifts belong to the God, to God. Therefore, we're going to talk, talk about two problems that, that are in the church, that you or, uh, or I have a propensity toward one or the other, likely. And that is, when all these verses that I emphasized each one, there are some of us who struggle with security issues and so forth, to think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I don't really have any giftedness. I need reassured that I'm important and so forth. Well, then there's others who think, I've got all the gifts. <laughs> all we need is me <laughs> or whatever. You know, I'm the, you know, the whatever team wouldn't be anything without my, me being on the team. Well, n- neither is correct as, as, the, as some of the scriptures we said. So one of the things I hope to accomplish in this series would be encouraging those who under-evaluate how much giftedness God has put in them to employ their gifts in serving the body of Christ. And to those of us who maybe have over-evaluated our gifts, to uh, think about how the giftedness in your brothers and sisters. So that would be one of my goals in getting us properly oriented. The first one, of course, was to get us oriented toward the fact that these are God's gifts, and we are just stewards of gifts. The gifts are not our gifts. It would sell more books to say using your spiritual gifts and having your best this or that now and all that stuff, those are, that, that sells. But it's not scriptural. And in fact, it goes against when Jesus said, he who seeks to save his suke, his soul life, will lose it, and he who lo- loses his life will find it. If we would forget about... Uh, exalting our giftedness and just think about God's giftedness and employing it in serving, when you seek to serve, you end up finding out you belong. I remember as a young Christian, one of the best pastoral vices I ever got was I had joined a fellowship where a, a lot of a lot of people in the fellowship had it had spontaneously grown up as a move of God about four years, three or four years before I joined. So at first, I was kind of the new kid on the block. Uh, there was, my wife was a member of the fellowship, and we were among three or four people who were three or four or five years younger than most of the uh, seniors of college and the college graduates that, that kind of made up this fellowship. So in a sense, it was, uh, so I, I went to my pastor and I said, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 says that if we say we're not part of the body, we still are and so forth. I, I believe that to be true theologically, but in my experience, I'd like to feel like I belong better. And he said one of the best advices I ever get, got, and he said, 
Well, just forget about belonging. Start to serve. Meet practical needs. Find ways to serve. Mow lawns. Hang up posters. Hand out posters. Uh, pray for, you know, be part of the prayer team. Ser serve wherever you can. And you'll discover somewhere down the road that you're intricately interwoven into the body. And in fact, it worked. So... Uh, that would be the second thing I want to just make sure in terms of getting properly oriented. I'm kind of going through the title here. So the first thing, again, is, is making sure we get God-centered. Uh, secondly, that we employ our gifts in service to each other. Now, jump down to Roman numeral three, and we're going to continue on with this subject of getting pro properly oriented. And I'm going to address kind of the most common misunderstanding in our culture. You'll often hear a statement like this from people. Well, Joe has the gift of evangelism. Susan has the gift of prophecy. And Barb has the gift of love. Well, uh, in one sense, that statement is perfectly fine and true. In the sense that James is talking about in James chapter 1, where he says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. However, in an important sense, statement A is not true. It's unclear and it's misleading. And so what I wanted to do is kind of help us think a little bit more biblically about that statement so we can sort it out. One of the causes of our own um, division and lack of effectiveness and so forth is just the finiteness of words and using words improperly. Do you know that if we didn't have any sin natures, which I have not ever been to that kind of church, but if there was, the, I think in heaven there will be that kind of church. But uh, if we didn't have our sin nature, do you know we would still have conflicts among us and misunderstandings just because we are finite? We would still have to talk things out more and figure out what did you mean when you said that and so forth. So what I want to do kind of here is help us think biblically. Now, it's um, we could go to, and we are going to go to next week, we're going to look at, there's 11 New Testament Greek words that can be and often are translated in English Bible's gift. However, for today, I'm going to, if you flip over to page two, I'm going to suggest three more helpful gift classifications. And they are general gifts, fruit, and specific gifts, which we are to use for edification of one another. General gifts, fruit, and specific gifts. By general gifts, I mean that everything is a gift. Creation itself is a gift. Did anybody give to the tithe and offerings toward creation here? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, God said, let there be light. And of course, he didn't say let there be light and with a period on the end. He said, let there be light in the Hebrew, meaning let there be light, 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 light. And light is still unfolding. The universe is expanding and stars and galaxies and light are still unfolding. When God says, let there be, unless he says some sort of limitation on it, it just continues. 
The creation is still unfolding because God said, let there be light. Now, God, life is a gift. Those who are in the pro-life movement who, who uh, advocate that life itself is a gift, have it right. Genesis 2-7 said that the Lord God found, formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being, which the Hebrew means a self-conscious soul. Do you know that we all think that, of course, the first work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to draw us to Christ, convict us of sin, and regenerate our spirit, right? And So that our spirit, which Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, when you're born again, when you're regenerated, your spirit is filled with the Holy Spirit, and you are given new life, right? However, do you know that the Holy Spirit was giving you life uh, in, a, in a different sense long before he began to draw you to his kingdom? Jesus Christ, it says, upholds all things by the word of his power. And if you study it out, especially John 13 through 17, Jesus' last great discourse at the, at the Passover supper, where he tells us the most about the Holy Spirit, we understand that Jesus does everything that he does through the Holy Spirit. You know, Francis Chan has a book called The Forgotten God, which is a study of the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why the, that God, the Holy Spirit, is the most neglected member of the Trinity. One is because uh, all the members of the Trinity give glory to each other, and the Spirit is the one that's active in, in your life and in the church. And he's pointing you to the Father and Son. So there's actually a natural outworking to be oriented toward the Father and Son of being filled with his Spirit. However, there's another reason. That's because all, all spiritual warfare, in other words, all of Satan's efforts are designed to cause you to be natural-minded and underestimate the person, ministry, and power of the Holy Spirit because God does everything that he does by the Spirit. If you only uh, know about the Father and the Son, God is in the theoretical and not in the real and experiential. And Christians today fight over, oh, this group is experience-oriented, and this group is theology-oriented, and the Bible is split right down the middle. God wants you to be biblically, theologically, intellectually sound, and he wants you to have deep, intimate, powerful experiences with, this, with his presence by the Holy Spirit. And he wants to know you and guide you and talk to you and, and fellowship with you. So, in the first sense... Our very breath, the sun, our food. I enjoy that part, unfortunately, too much. As you can see, my credentials, I carry them with me. Uh, rain, etc. You didn't. We didn't even deserve to be born. People, there's people in this room who were born into good and godly Christian homes that had a great deal to do with why you came to Christ. That was the grace of God. You didn't deserve that. Other people were born into tougher circumstances that, that has to do with the ministry God has for you down the line as he sanctifies and matures you and heals you and makes you whole so that you can comfort others with the comfort wherewith you receive from God if you're willing to embrace the process to become whole. You didn't choose that. He gave it to you. So life itself is a gift. In Matthew 5, 45b, Jesus ends up... Uh, 
series of three verses right in the smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount of teaching for what it means to be a disciple of Christ, the Sermon on the Mount, that he, he says, for God, the Father, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Do you know God gives gifts and blesses people who curse him? When we pray that God get them or something, <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully we pray that, uh, that the Lord has mercy on them as he did on us. Of course, the second general category of gifts is redemption. Everything, re regeneration, all things that apply to this great salvation. Ephesians 2.8, uh, please consider make, marking that on your paper, circle it, and read it in the context of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. But uh, it says the, that salvation is a free gift. Romans 6.23, if you uh, if have ever had any... any uh, instruction in, in how to share the gospel at all or whatever, you likely have Romans 6.23 memorized. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, uh, I'll pick on Sam because he's my son and lives with us. But Sam works at Arby's. I have a feeling if Arby started saying, do you get paid every other Friday or every Friday? Every other Friday. What, oh, on Mondays? Every other Monday or what? Every other Monday. So, uh, every, isn't there a song like that? Every other day, every Monday, Monday. No, anyway, that's from the 60s. Um, <laughs> Jordan will have to edit that one off the CD. If, if Sam came in uh, tomorrow's Monday and they said, well, I'm sorry, but we couldn't make payroll this time. Uh, stick with us. We'll make payroll two weeks from now. And then he, two weeks later, they gave him the same line. Two weeks later, they gave him the same line. He would say, for the wages of working at Arby's <laughs> is whatever he makes per hour, uh, minus what the federal government takes in the state and the city. So like 23 cents an hour after they're done with him. But uh, <laughs> so he would, he would say, hey, I'm not just here because I like to slice it up fresh, or what does it say on the back of the shirt? Slicing up freshness. I'm here to get the paycheck, right? I mean, I enjoy slicing up freshness. It's my honor to serve and different things, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a paycheck. Okay, one of the things we need to understand about gifts, the wages of sin is our, what we deserve. It's, it's our due. But God chooses to give a free gift in Jesus Christ called eternal life. And part of our problem is that, as William Wilberforce said in his book, Real Christianity, there are times when the church doesn't have enough depth of awareness of the depth of our sin. And when we don't, we fail to appreciate the depths of his grace. Romans 5.20 says the wages, for when sin uh, prevails, grace abounds all the more. When sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We can only begin to see the unreasonable, the unfathomable greatness of his grace if we see what the wages of our sin really is all about. With that in mind, 
the gospel, regeneration, salvation, is a great and wonderful gift. If you jump down uh, to point C, I'm going to read that because I didn't know whether to put that under B or C. He, he says this. This is actually my, my verse, verses for right state. I share this all the time from when I go from table to table sharing about Christ. Do you know that 80% of people who enter a secular university claiming to be Christians leave that claiming they are not a Christian? And that didn't happen overnight. That happened because of the moral climate. That happened because the moral climate is a reflection of the underlying spiritual, theological, philosophical realities, the humanistic worldview, and so forth. That happened because the faith was under attack. It happened for a lot of reasons. But, if, but those who don't leave, th those who come claiming they're a Christian and leave claiming they're a Christian, are often turned into radical Christians because we're living in a time where things are being sifted and you're either going to become a radical Christian or, or not. So I love this verse. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Does anybody ever wake up and go, I just think I'll start the backslide today. and Start to grow weaker in my faith. No. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. It's not the, the, the gifts are part of the salvation process, and they're according to his will. The last thing I wanted to mention under general gifts is just, uh, if you remember, we ended the grace series by talking about the three delivery systems of grace. God's grace is free, but it doesn't come to us in some ambiguous way. It comes to us through the word of God, through the spirit of God, and through the people of God. And those three are all inextricably intertwined. And to what degree you underestimate one of those three or underuse one of those three in your life, to that degree, your maturity will be warped. Since the Reformation, most Protestant Christians have really underestimated the church. Church is something we use to, again, from that narcissistic to thing. It's something we, we go if, they, if it'll help us in our goals. Philippians 2, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence, but not much, now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, the reason I share those verses is to say this. One, we're, we're talking about getting properly oriented toward gifts. And God's grace is one of the great gifts. Life is a gift. Regeneration is a gift. Faith is a gift. Grace is a gift. So these are what I would call the general gifts. However, even the general gifts have to be unwrapped. Paul says, work out your salvation. Oh my God, he's preaching works. Well, not if you read the whole context. For it's God that's at work in you. It's a mystery. But 
you know, I always use, you've already heard me use the analogy of if, uh, you know, our family has a Weiss family tradition that we generally invite some people who aren't connected somewhere. Uh, you know, we've had homeless people, we've had alcoholics that just got out of jail, we've had uh, friends that whose parents lived too far away to go home for Christmas, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of different kinds of people at our Christmas. And we always make sure that there's some presents for them. But they could go, well, what's the catch? Well, I guess there's a catch. Um, we have a we have a church service on Christmas Eve first. You may you're, you're welcome to come that if you want, but you don't have to. But the part you do have to go to is Jason and Carla's house for dinner, and there's going to be turkey and pork roast and 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 uh, if I have my way, duck and uh, and uh, mashed potatoes and stuffing and so forth. And we're and we're going to first stuff you. <laughs> well, there. You'd be, well, that's not so bad, but you do have to eat it yourself. We're not, you know, we're not going to eat it for you. Oh, well, we'll do our part. And then when you get presents, guess what? They have to be unwrapped. And then sometimes you unwrap that great present and it says, some assembly required. And God's grace is a lot like that. It's God's grace that motivates you to unwrap the grace. It's God's grace that causes you to seek him in the first place. It's God's grace that makes you hungry for his word. We need, but we, it's, it's kind of this vicious cycle thing. We have to work out our salvation in fear and trembling because it's God that's at work with us. And as we cry out to God for more hunger for his word, he'll give us more hunger for his word. And every hunger that you feed uh, creates a deeper hunger. You know, if you, I, as you can tell, I eat too much sometimes. So in, uh, when you eat too much, the next time you get hungry, uh, you're just all the more hungry, right? And, and you can use that for the positive by getting hungry for the grace of God. So for, I hope this will help us as we sort out this whole thing of gifts. I would, I, as we look at the various 11 words that we're going to look at in more detail next week, I want to suggest to you that they fall into these three categories. The first being general gifts. Creation and life to everyone. And, in a, and we offer the gospel to everyone. No one can come unless the Father draws him. And Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. But we are called to proclaim the gospel to all creatures. Right? So that's the first uh, kind of giftedness is what I would call general gifts. Secondly, I want to look at fruit. Remember uh, that the, our you remember our confusing statement where so and so has the gift of evangelism, Joe or whoever it was. Uh, how soon I forget. And uh, Bob has the gift of prophecy or whatever, but Barb has the gift of love. Well, only in the sense that that all fruit is a culmination of the general gifts. So love is actually, first, a commandment of God, and secondly, can only be fulfilled as we partake in the gospel and he writes his law upon our hearts and our minds, right? Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, one of the great promises of the new covenant 
is that I, uh, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days, and I will write my law upon your hearts. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, Matthew 5, 14, but to put it into force, that is into effect, right? So when we are regenerated, God births in us a new person. Christ, by the Holy Spirit, comes into our heart, and that new person begins to conform us to the image of God that we are meant to be in the first place. Every person is created in the image of God, but because of the fall of man, every aspect of that image has been damaged without completely losing the imago Dei, as theologians call it, the, that's Latin for image of God. So if you study the doctrines of soteriology or salvation, you understand that you were created in God's image. Every aspect of that was damaged by the fall. You didn't just fall into this fleshly, lustful thing. You fell spiritually, solically, emotionally, intellectually. Your whole being became twisted and there was none who seeks for God, no, not one, until God drew you by his grace into his kingdom, right? Then as he does, out of the sanctification process, as we abide in him, as the fruit of the Holy Spirit grows in our life, yes, we become ever more loving. So, in, But love is really a commandment, and love is a fruit of dwelling in the spirit. Galatians 5.22, of course, is the most famous uh, statement of that. Um, but if, if somebody wants, I think I'm going to use my Bible here. It's a church, so I'm allowed to. Um, um, Galatians 5.22.23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These are character qualities, right? But in case you think that's the only place that such things are talked about, a less complete list is in Ephesians 5. Let's see if I can get my fingers there. Old-fashioned technology. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord right? So the character qualities of Christ are fruit. So in a sense, when you say, well, Sally has her gift of love and uh, Bob has a gift of patience, in the sense that that's an outgrowth of the general gift of salvation and of relationship with God, you're kind of half biblically accurate. But it would make for a lot more clarity if people understood you're talking about fruits of Christ, fruits of abiding in the vine, fruits of uh, John 15. I am the vine, you're the branches. Fruits of the Holy Spirit. Now, we could. there's other verses there, and I, 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 I want to point to one of them that's one of my favorites. Is uh, Of course, Hebrews 12 says that all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful because we don't have much of a view of, of grace in our culture that God actually chastises us. You know, we have a, that what we see as love is always all comfort, all encouragement, all praise, all the time, right? We don't see a rebuke or confrontation or admonition with all patience and instruction as being loving, 
But about half of Paul's writings are those, is what, just as equally as comfort, encouragement, and so forth. And um, Hebrews, we don't know the writer, of course, but he says all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful, right? Anybody enjoy discipline? <laughs> um, when you were sent to the principal's office, did you just say, glory to God, I'm in trouble again? Uh, <laughs> some of you don't can't relate to that, but I can. <laughs> I was well acquainted with the principal and his board of education. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I hated the fact that they made you take showers because in ninth grade once my whole butt was black and blue. <laughs> and all the guys were like, I can see you've been in trouble again. All right, so James 3, 13 through 18 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Three levels, worldly, natural-minded, or demonic. It can be from any of those kinds of sources. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Now, don't those kind of things happen in the church? Isn't there jealousy and selfish ambition in, in business, in the church, and in clubs, and... You know, we talk about in the corporate, what are we, climbing the corporate ladder and so forth. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in everything. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. Now, of course, we can't bring forth any of that kind of fruit unless we're abiding in Christ, right? He is the source of that kind of fruit. You know, in fact, we will have lots of this kind of stuff if we're still at that place in our depth of understanding of our depravity and our sin where we think, well, God got a good deal when he got me or, or I, yes, I'm a good Christian. I just needed a little churching up. If, if God hasn't broken you to the depth of your depravity, then he also hasn't real, revealed the greatness of God's grace to you yet. That's a process of sanctification that we grow in. But the fruit is peaceable. It's without hypocrisy. And the seed, whose fruit is righteousness, is sown in peace by those who make peace. That seed is God's word, of course. Uh, second kind of fruit, I'm talking about three types of biblical fruit here and understanding that they are only gifts in the sense that they come out of that general category of gifts. And we would be well to differentiate between fruits and gifts. It would make for a lot more clarity in our thinking about growing in these things. And that as we go through this series, you're going to see some reasons why it's important that we grow in these things. But the second category is fruits of reproduction. Now, many Christians poo-poo this idea and think, well, it's all about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, and so forth. But God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. And he put a principle in Genesis 1 that, that exists throughout all the universe. Every seed brings forth fruit of his own kind. In Matthew 23, 15, Jesus is in, in that whole chapter of the eight woes against the Pharisees before he cries out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, in his final covenant lawsuit against Israel, he says, woe are you. 
because you get, you'll go hither and thither and, and across the, the world to make one proselyte, and then you turn him into twice as much of a son of hell as you are. Now, people wonder, why did I spend seven, eight years on a small core group training leaders, maturing them, making sure they know their Bible thoroughly and, the, and, and so forth? Because we are ready to reach out and God is going to start adding to us. But woe is us if he adds to us uh, in, you know, pride, selfish ambition. You know what? I don't want to be the biggest church. I really don't want that. But I want to have God's favor rest on us because there's purity of heart, there's gentleness of wisdom, there's brokenness, there's mutual service, and so forth. And I hope we can see God has called us to reproduce. In fact, let me tell you, we have uh, six married couples in this in this uh, church. So I and I, uh, of course, planted campus ministries in the '70s and the '80s. And I, I one summer we had 14 weddings. And I learned this thing: unless there's some kind of strange problem going on, which there's medical things for, usually weddings are followed one, two, or three years later by babies. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Because the truth is, we were made to pr produce fruit. And you actually, in the natural, you have to ha take, take some steps to not produce fruit. Right? You know, we minister in inner city high schools, and we, and they're full, and we help young ladies who are 14 years old and pregnant and so forth, right? You, you have to take some steps not to produce fruit. So it is not normal or normative or healthy in the spiritual not to reproduce who we are. Jesus said, go and make this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Matthew 28, 18. Go therefore and make disciples out of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And I love his confrontation with the Pharisees because it makes me get before God in my face and cry out, help us. I have cried out for the last 20-some years, God, purify my heart, purify my reasons. I don't want to be about being the head guy or, or any of that stuff. What I want to be, you know what I pray all the time? God, bring the people here that you have equipped us to serve faithfully and be good for them. I pray that all the time. God, bring people here that, that with all the Christian count, three different views, paradigms of Christian counseling and, and inner healing, studying some things about that and all, all community and, and getting more founded, all the things that we've focused on, God, bring us people who we can be good to. That we can say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said, be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. Can we say Hebrews 13, 7, consider those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith. Now, I hope you never have to say this in chains before King Agrippa, but Paul said, King Agrippa, 
I wish everyone was like me. Well, except for this change thing. <laughs> but other than that, I wish they would follow my way of life because my way of life is in love with Christ Jesus. God, help us become a church that can say that. That's what I mean by the fruits of reproduction. John 15, 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I'm not, especially in the first generations and at this time, I'm not primarily concerned with the quantity of the fruit we bear. But the reason we keep investing in leadership teams and growth and so forth, I am, I am concerned about the quality of who we are. By this, my Father is glorified. That's what it's all about. If it doesn't glorify God, I don't want a radio program. I'm not going to change the name of the series to, to employing your gifts just to sell more copies. None of that. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. You have a stewardship. Fruit is a stewardship. And that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give you. Lastly, fruit of deeds and influence. Colossians, he says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respect, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If you have a little, since you have a little space on the paper there, write in, check out Titus. In Titus, I think it's three times, it might be four or five, that he exhorts uh, Titus as he's planning these churches and maturing them and, and raising up elders throughout Crete to make sure the people of God are involved in love and good deeds. In other words, you know, if we left this neighborhood, would anybody know we're missing? Well, the reason we do whiz kids down here in Kids Rock Club and, and these kind of things is because I want them to know we'd be missing. Lastly is specific gifts for the edification of the church. And those fall into three categories, which we will look begin to look at uh, to uh, chapter 4. We'll begin to look at these, and we'll spend about two weeks on each of these categories. These categories are listed in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. The word there is chrismatas, and, the, and that's related to the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are varieties of ministries. The word there is diakonoi, which uh, we get deacon from, which means services, and those come from the Lord Jesus Christ. That all three members of the Trinity uh, are... There are varieties of effects, energimitas, which is, has to do with energies, motivations, but the same God, which he's referring to the Father in his creatorial capacity, who works all things and all things. So there's three categories of gifts in the New Testament. So when the statement goes, well, uh, Joe has his category, you know, Joe has the gift of evangelism and Susan the gift of prophecy, you're actually mixing categories there. Okay, evangelism is one of the service gifts, and prophecy is one of the charismatic gifts or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand and, and grow in all three categories of gifts. So we'll look at those. Gifts of temperament or motivation, the gifts of service, and the gifts of the Spirit. Um, 
Lastly, I just want to stress again in terms of getting properly oriented, these are to serve one another There's a, and, and to understand one another. When we, when we look at what's called the motivational gifts coming up, I can't wait to do that one because I want you to understand that even if it wasn't for our sin and our immaturity and so forth, in our maturity and our giftedness, we're wired differently. The reason we have a plurality of leaders and they're always beating up on me and, uh, is because I need it <laughs> for perspective. Uh, because different giftedness helps you see more clearly. So, and then lastly, I just want to say um, cultivate faithfulness. I do want to recommend once again the best book I could encourage you to read mostly about the Holy Spirit gifts, but which is probably the least understood category and also the most important to begin to learn how to function in. So I do want to recommend Dennis and Rita Bennett's The Holy Spirit in You. And we will move on to Roman numeral two next week. Amen.